Welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again tonight. We so enjoy the uh, comments we receive from you about our shows and uh, the feedback. There's nothing as rich as knowing we're reaching people in different parts of the world with the, I would say, pretty interesting information that we have here in A Better World to provide you with. And tonight is no different. In fact, tonight will be a lot of fun for me because I have invited to join me on the air Alexander Dunlop, who is the author of a book called Play Your Cards Right, A Sacred Guide to Life on Earth. Wow, that is quite a title. And it really packs a punch and it really gives us a sense of guidance this book does about, well, related to our day of birth. And there is a tremendous amount of meaning that is packed into that, that Alexander unfolds in this book. And this book is also referred to as the book of life. And he'll be speaking about what that is. Alexander himself is a very interesting gentleman. He has a very, very background from being a leader at Harvard University in a couple of different areas, from sports to spirituality in different forms. He has been uh, worked on Wall Street in the world of high finance. And at another point in his life, he was a Swami in India. So you're getting a small taste of the bandwidth, the spectrum of his life and the way he has very headlong entered into different spaces and I may also say different dimensions of what this life consists of in his quest for understanding, awakefulness, awareness, and dare I say enlightenment like so many of us have been on that path for a long time. And this book is an expression of a deep level of understanding that has coalesced in many ways over the course of many years of this search that Alexander has been on. And it's actually a wonderful story that he tells about how he came upon this body of work. And I'll ask him to share that with us uh, right before we kind of dig into the depth of what this is about. So, Alexander, welcome to A Better World. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you on again, actually. We had you on a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, Mitchell, thank you so much. Uh, It is quite a pleasure and an honor to be on your show. And, and wow, what an intro you give me. Um, uh, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Very very kind words. Sure. Well, listen, uh, they're deserved, and that's why they were spoken. So, you know, you've really stretched yourself in many different ways and I for being a fellow adventurer like you Alexander I very much appreciate it there aren't that many people I know that are willing to stick their nose into so many different types of places from Mm. Wall Street and I finance all the way to the uh, the uh, Amazon rainforest and the riches that plant medicine has to bring forward so it's uh, an adventurous spirit that I very much admire Why don't you, if you would, start with your journey early on that took you to a couple of these places and what in that Brooklyn apartment brought you face-to-face with the the game of life and the book of life. Well, thank you. That's a great way to frame the quest that I was on. And it started in earnest at age 17. I had grown up Roman Catholic and gone to Catholic schools all my life. And then my senior year of high school, signed up for a retreat that the school was offering. And I had been pretty much agnostic, I guess. Um, And then, but on the retreat, I was really touched, really moved by a talk that the priest gave. He came to speak to us and I had been a child of divorce and I'd had some emotional trauma and he was talking to us about walls around our hearts and how that blocks out God's love. And it was really powerful. So I went mm. afterwards to sit with him and it was the first time I'd ever voluntarily sought out a priest, I must say. 
And I sat there in what would be called a face-to-face confession, just sitting opposite each other in a chair. And I don't remember what I said to him at this point. But when I was done, he stood up to pray the traditional prayer of absolution that I had heard umpteen times in my youth. And as he did, he put his hands on my forehead. And the moment that he did, something went whoosh right through my body from head to toe in a split-second flash of electricity and water all at once. Split second, but unmistakably from head to toe. And I felt washed clean. I really felt like I had been cleansed. And in that moment, I knew there was something real behind all the religious dogma. And so that singular experience both transformed me from the inside out and my family recognized I was a completely different person afterwards. And it also launched me on a quest to understand whatever that was that had moved right through me because I knew that there was a real energy there. And it wasn't random either because this priest clearly was a vessel that channeled this energy through me. So I was like, okay, let me find out what is going on here. What is this energy? And so it really did lead me all through, as you say, all you know, different religions and experiences. It led me first deep into Christianity. This naturally, I, I had the experience inside a Christian context, so I mm-hmm. went deep into Christianity. I actually became an evangelical minister and then came back to my Roman Catholic roots, and I went to Catholic seminary. I thought I'd be a Roman Catholic priest. Realized that that wasn't my gig and uh, did a U-turn. I had gone to Harvard as an undergrad, studied philosophy. I leveraged my Harvard diploma, and I came and got a job on Wall Street. So I went from seminary to Wall Street, which is kind of a funny transition, but um, that's Sounds what I like did. the name of a book, <laughs> or should be. Yeah, could be, yeah, for sure. Um, and then when I came to New York, uh, I was consciously wanting to explore. I had been a you know Catholic boy, straight-A student, played by the rules, very pious, uh, all the way up through graduate school, the Catholic seminary. And I really felt the itch to break out, and I started exploring the nightlife of New York City and started using recreational drugs and finding that I was having these epiphanies and breakthroughs. And, you know, so started exploring more and trying every psychedelic I could find and uh, (laughs) just really exploring, I guess, in what you might call the shadow side of my own consciousness, all the parts of me that had been verboten to a good mm-hmm. Catholic straight-A student. And this is important because much later when I found the deck of cards, yeah, I, I don't think I would have been prepared to accept what they are if I hadn't already shattered a lot of illusions and ego around piety and spirituality. Uh, so this mm-hmm. is a really important part of the journey. Um, but to fast forward a little bit, um, the dot-com bubble burst in 2002, for those of us who remember. And uh, a lot of, and I got laid off along with everyone else in the firm. I was at a small consulting firm, and then as, uh, I was at a software firm. And I took my severance and my savings. I went to India. I wanted to continue my exploration. I had heard about this guy named Osho who was teaching dancing meditation. And when I was in the nightclubs of New York City, I really felt like I was in meditation when I was dancing. I was like, I want to check out what this guy is saying. And I was at the Osho Center, and I was meditating eight hours a day, and that's where I took the initiation as a Swami when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very powerful there, and I, I learned how to meditate, and I had many transformative experiences. And then I went down to Goa. That's where I first learned alternative healing when I was staying on in the India. beach in Goa. In India, mm-hmm. that's right. Smoking, smoking hash every day and meditating. It's a good life. <laughs> Was that where the Rajneesh Center, I mean Osho Center, was at that time? It was in Pune, or it still is in Pune, Pune right? Uh, Pune, sure. which is on the coast, just a few hours north of Goa and the west coast yes, of India. Yes, um, yeah, I felt like my life was back here in New York City, so I came back, even though it was great life there. And people do stay there; they go and they never come back. Um, sure. But, um, I felt like my purpose was back here in New York City. And uh, so came back and, you know, through, this, this can be a very long story, but I'll, I'll make it, 
quicker, which is just to say that through many twists Yeah, give us the truncated version because the depth of the card and the book is so impactful. And just to be Mm -hmm. uh, honoring our time together, I would love to get into that. And yet, you're right, the story is really captivating. I so appreciate it. Yes. Well, so fast forwarding a little bit, you did come back from India. You you disavowed the robe, so to speak, and you entered another stage of your journey. Absolutely. And uh, I became raw vegan at that point, although I'm not now. But I became raw vegan, and I started apprenticing with shamans, and I started the holistic health center with the woman yes. who is now now my ex-wife. And this is relevant because. Um, what happened when I first found the cards was the divorce papers were on the table and now we're very good friends and we have two kids together. Um, so I can tell this story with, you know, all amicability, but divorce papers were on the table and I was heartbroken and uh, I went out to a party in Brooklyn. I was like, I got to get out of here and clear my head. I went out to a party and saw an old friend who I knew from Burning Man when I used to go to Burning Man. And uh, he says to me, Oh, what's your date of birth? And I, oh, August 30th, why? And he says, oh, it means you're born to play the nine of hearts. And that means your life path is one where you go through tragic endings of the heart and you have to let go and move on. And this was the day after I found out I was going to work. And so my knees actually got... Bingo. I had a deja vu moment and the air got thick around me. And that was my first introduction to the real meaning of the playing cards. Mm-hmm. I was still very skeptical, though, and that's why I say it was so important that I really searched everywhere, and I really did, and that I had excavated a lot of shadows and you know broken through a lot of religious pieties to be able to yeah. see that this thing, this deck of cards that was once demonized as the devil's picture book, this is actually the ancient book of life that was hidden in plain sight. But it took me years after that first encounter in Brooklyn to realize that and it took a lot of meditation and ceremonial work uh, with plant medicines to receive the downloads that this is actually the ancient book of life that was hidden in plain sight for its own protection and hidden in plain sight because that's of course the best place to hide anything yes so interesting right so interesting it's like the old sufi story of god consulting some of his uh, sages on earth about where he should reside. Well, Mm. should I reside, God spoke, in the, on the mountaintops, how many people will go there to find me? Mm -hmm. Or should I go to the bottom of the sea, the uh, the bottom of the oceans? And Mm. the uh, sages said, no, no, man will go there too. He will go anywhere and everywhere except for one place. Let's Mm -hmm. put you, dear God, you divine source of all, into the human heart. There he will never think to look. (laughs) So you're just reminding me of that in in plain sight, right? Yes. Anyway, please go on. Well, that's that's the story. Um, and from there, I, as I've shared with you, I had been a nutritional coach. and I just started bringing in the cards into my coaching practice. And by and by, people would be like, okay, yeah, I know I need to eat kale, but tell me more about my cards to play. <laughs> and so what I source started. were you using at that time? Since this is, of course, years prior to your penning this book and what other sources were available to you at that early stage besides from your friend at the Brooklyn uh, uh, party? Yes. Well, the book that I was relying on were written by Robert Camp, and he's written a couple okay. of books, uh, Cards of Your Destiny and Love Cards. And then I subsequently you know, mentored with him and I was part of his fellowship while he had that. So I studied with him. Um, As I say, though, what started to happen is in meditation and in ceremony, I started to receive guidance of 
a deeper sort. Um, he had never called it the Book of Life or, or seen that connection per se. Um, and then people who've read my book that you refer to uh, will often comment that my interpretations are much different or much deeper or more nuanced mm-hmm. than, than, than what he was teaching. Um, but those were the books I was using. And, um, and he and I still talk, and um, he's been a tremendous influence in my life, obviously, because yeah. he was the one who really wrote the book that brought it back into our more common understanding, although still not very many people know it. Um, but it was his books that, you know, and then his, from his students that there is a growing awareness of this knowledge. Well, just to bring something else up on the historic level, Alexander, before mm-hmm. we kind of mm-hmm. go instead of horizontal but, but deep and vertical, is mm-hmm. most people have some uh, knowledge of or at least awareness of what are known as the tarot cards, which are mm-hmm. said to have been with us for many thousands of years and were also mm. considered to be cards hidden or truth hidden in plain Mm. sight and have Mm -hmm. also been associated with gypsies who are always chased out of their homeland and everywhere else Mm. they can be chased. And Mm. so there's this kind of deep and dark and circuitous history of the tarot cards, which also have (laughs) the symbols embedded in them and a sort of a, a psychic sensibility and symbolic sensibility to them. How does the history of the playing cards and the history of the tarot interface or not? And maybe well, run parallel or what? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, my own downloaded answer, if you will, Mm-hmm. That they're ind- they're independent. They have independent lineages. Uh, it's not as if one is derived from the other. Um, which came first, the chicken or the egg? It, it's they're actually mm-hmm. independent, in my understanding. And mm-hmm. the deck of playing cards, as we know it, the fifty-two deck, that's the symbolic representation of the mathematics of our system, of our quantum field. And the tarot, in my understanding, is a mathematical symbolic representation of a different planetary matrix, and that has been imported into our system. And so, in other words, it's actually an extraterrestrial system of knowledge, and we've got it in our system. And it's been imported, and we can use it, of course, and I've had some very powerful tarot readings over the years from other practitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's different in the usage that this deck of cards that was the book of life, or is the book of life, we're using the numbers of our date of birth to do a mathematical reading. So it's a bit more like astrology and numerology in that we have a preset number of 13 cards based on the date of our birth. Um, So it's not a divination as you would do in a Tarot style reading, um, Mm -hmm. but it's based on numbers. Got it. Thank you. That's a very helpful understanding and very interesting distinction about the origins of the two systems. I, I'd like mm-hmm. to just say that based on my understanding of these cards from you is that this really is sort of a, a mathematical matrix in so many mm-hmm. ways. And I would also say probably sacred geometrical matrix as well. Yes, uh, absolutely. When you look at, you were just describing to me the other day, the iconography, if you will, of each card, the interface mm-hmm. of the <clears throat> the jack, the queen, the, the king, on top of the underlying, you know, number, numerical matrix, and that mm-hmm. there is a relationship, a correspondence between every day and every card, and every uh, and the year and the season. So there's this in in Chinese medicine. Just as an example, Alexander, we talk about the five element theory, and inside that there is this really interesting correlation and correspondence between a season, a color, parts of the body, particular meridians, a musical tone, 
a number, mm. a food, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's almost, it's, it's almost like a certain cosmic map of earth, mm-hmm. heaven and earth. And mm-hmm. in some way, I'm seeing a bit of a parallel in the way you describe the cards here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'd love to hear you expound on that a bit and share with our audience what what that looks like from this seemingly Western, by the way, seemingly Western uh, worldview that the cards bring up. It's true. And so, for example, one way that what you're saying, you know, the parallel to what you're saying is in the four suits. So uh, these four basic building blocks, of this reality and that are in this symbolic construction that we call a deck of cards so that our reality has these four basic building blocks just as we have the four basic seasons and we have then um, the four elements at least in the western perspective the four elements of fire, water, earth and air also corresponding to the four suits Yeah, and then um, in our human construction, our physical form, a- again, in a Western understanding, we have a mind, a heart, and a body. We have these three parts, and then a spirit or a soul, which is the suit of spades. So we have these four parts as a human being as well, as that are four seasons and four elements. So this construction, as I was sharing with you before, it's a fractal construction that's true on every level of our reality. And so, yes, the deck of cards very much is constructed that way, that we can read it on any layer and level of our reality, and it's still true. And mm-hmm. it overlaps and mm-hmm. corresponds. So, therefore, fractal, yes. Exactly. The interface of micro to macrocosms. Exactly. And, for instance, yeah. that uh, we have 13 cards for our life, uh, we have 13 cards for our year. Uh, we can actually even read monthly and daily cards. And if we really want to, we can read every minute of our day is a different energy pattern that we could read through these cards. It gets a little bit uh, obsessive and microscopic at that point. I don't look there, mm-hmm. but we can, if we want, read the same energy almost like um, – what do you call it, ripples on a pond, that it ripples outward. It's as far as, you know, we can look, and it's still accurate as a ripple of the same original energy. Um, Because we have not just yearly cards, we have seven-year cycles, and then we have 13-year cycles, and we even have Mm -hmm. 70-year cycles. So, and the same cards relate to those ripples of energy as well, whether we're looking at a daily, monthly, yearly, seven-year, 13-year cycle, it's a fractal representation of the same number. Yes. Yes. So interesting. I'd like to jump in, you know, because this is sort of laying the uh, architecture, if you will, of this. We got Mm -hmm. a historical Mm -hmm. perspective. Now we're getting the way it looks like on the landscape of, you know, human creation, not of creation itself, actually, probably not just simply human creation, but that this sort of like the I Ching seems to have emerged from a collective unconscious, which is a universal source of of wisdom that mm-hmm. comes through numerically. I mean, as we know, mm-hmm. the greatest greatest feats of civilization of man and woman comes from our relationship to number and playing mm-hmm. with number, whether that shows up as mathematics itself or geometry or architecture or music. Everything is predicated on this, and here we have your understanding of, and of course, numerology, where we get into the quality of number, not simply the quantity of number. And here, Mm -hmm. with what you've written in this book, Play Your Cards Right, you are, in a sense, articulating that same idea of a, a quantitative and a qualitative character to numbers, and the way you could say they... Mm -hmm have shaped our lives and shaped our universe. You want to comment on that a bit? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And 
as I was sharing with you the other day, that my sense is that these numbers are actually a construction of waves, energy frequencies, which are simultaneously sound waves. And so there is a texture and a quality of each wave that's different that corresponds to a different numeric valence. So the number one corresponds to a different energy wave, musical note or tone, than the number two does. And so these, again, are the basic, you know, the mathematical architecture of our reality, which are these energy waves that correspond to these numbers. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So interesting. Exactly. That's a, a beautiful way of putting it because that is embracing the... Uh, if you will, the the physics understanding, the scientific understanding of the relationship of energy to frequency. And actually, a woman I interviewed, a lovely British woman I interviewed who studied, who is an intern for Stephen Hawking, goes yet another step. Her name is Jude Kuravan, goes another step and says that energy is not the fundamental substrate of the universe, but information is. Information hmm. underlies energy. So that would take us in a whole other direction. But wow, I think maybe, yeah. okay, right. So intuitively, we may be able to follow that comment, that statement, you know, and understand yeah. what it is she means. It's a powerful, powerful statement. And I've had her on the radio and Whoa. TV shows. She's just so amazing. But I was well, wondering absolutely. if, no, no, please comment, sure. Yeah, yeah. So just and I and I do allude to this in the book as well that the deeper I've looked into this fractal mathematical matrix that the deck of cards represents, it seems that the only conclusion is that this is a deliberately constructed, elegantly precise system. It's not haphazard yeah. or random. And so if that's true, which I have come to realize that it is, it would suggest that information is prior to the construction of the energy because uh-huh. it was thought. It's like God's thought, so to speak. Yes. And this is what we have in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, was the mm-hmm. language, the thought, the information. And from mm-hmm. that, then the rest is designed. So In the uh, beginning, yeah. that's from John. I thought that was the, pardon my ignorance, I thought that was the beginning of Genesis. Uh, logos is the Greek. I happen to know that when I studied Greek when I was, you know, a long, long time ago. And meaning in the beginning was the word. John. Uh, no, that's, you know that's more than I do John. about this. Yeah, it's Gospel John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and then the word yes. became flesh and dwelt among us. Interesting. Okay, good. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that sure, theological my, my correction. Training, <laughs> Epistemological yeah, correction. Sure. <laughs> That's great. You know, I'm going to just pause for a moment and let everyone know sure. that you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. We are on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that is. And you can listen to us through our website, www abetterworld.tv you can also hear our weekly television show on that through that same website if you do not live in Manhattan where it's aired directly on TV Mondays at 7pm at that same exact time it is webcast and you can get it through the website so please join us and get on to our newsletter which is free it comes out only once a week and it announces what shows we'll be doing on radio and TV, as well as other interesting tidbits of events happening, usually in New York, but not at all limited to it. And we so appreciate your being part of the A Better World community and family. So this evening, I am spending the entire time with a lovely gentleman, Alexander Dunlop, who is the author of Play Your Cards Right, a sacred guide to life on earth. And we're, we're unpacking, unfolding the cards, as, if you will, and taking a look at what's <laughs> deeply inside, embedded in their meaning. Most people are playing gin, rummy, or bridge, and 
not looking at what's underneath. They are dealing with the pure quantitative level uh, of the cards and some probability as well. But they're not dealing with the meaning. And that's what Alexander has become adept at doing in his coaching. And you also have a certification program, correct, where you teach people to learn to utilize the cards in a counseling type of format. Is that correct? That's true. Absolutely. I've started a professional training program to train other people to use this same knowledge in their own way for their own, whether they want to actually read cards for a living or whether they simply want to be able to, as a therapist or a coach, look up their client's cards and understand how to read them and understand what they mean as a coaching or therapeutic tool to use in their own practice. Yes. That's fantastic. I've uh, been doing, I've been using it uh, both for myself as well as for some clients. And there's really a lot of interest that's generated out of it. And at this Mm. point, honestly, Alexander, I would love if we were to bring it right on home and Mm -hmm. utilizing me as your, your, person with a birthday um take a look i mean my audience knows me fairly well and uh, it would be really interesting to hear your interpretation from the uh book of life point of view for them and me to hear what kind of information gets revealed and what that looks like and sounds like at this point well that's a great question i mean and of course that's where the rubber hits the road because it's interesting theoretical stuff but what the power is is how it helps us in our own life to blossom into the fullness of who we are so that we can fulfill our soul's destiny in this lifetime exactly and so you are born to play the seven of diamonds and this is the game that as a soul folks yeah this is the game that as a soul you chose And so one of the things I'm often telling my clients is to remember that life is a game, that we are eternal souls. We're limitless and timeless beings. We're here to play a game that we've taken way too seriously, but if it weren't challenging, it wouldn't hold our interest, right? Mm -hmm. We're engaged in the fullness of who we are to master this game. And Seven of Diamonds as your game means spiritual embodiment, right? You're here to embody these values that will pivot and adjust our consciousness in our society, right? So diamonds is the suit of the physical material world, and the number seven is, as we know, the spiritual number. What it really means as the spiritual number, it's the number of pivot and adjustment. You're here to enlighten us, as it were. You're here to adjust our way of being in our body, in our material expression, so that we can pivot how we are in our material, physical expression, hopefully to a higher place, to a better world, right? (laughs) And what's important for you is this idea of, again, where does the rubber hit the road? How do we really embody it? Like, talk is cheap, and yes, I get that you feel that way, but how do we really embody this? How do we enact yes. it? How do we put it into action? Right? How do we take our spirituality and embody it and enact it in everything that we do in environmental you know, engagement, politics, social issues, everything that is physically and materially important, business and finance, how do we embody our spiritual values in a way that we can pivot and adjust our consciousness so that we can have a better world? And so this is what you're here to do as your primary purpose. And so it's fantastic that you intuitively knew that already, that what you are interested in is how do we forge a better world together, right? Mm. And this this is fantastic. And I see this fairly often that people are able to intuit their purpose. But at the same time, I often see the opposite, where people are stuck trying to live out the life they think they're supposed to be living. Mm-hmm. And I'm able, I'm able to show them in the cards um, how to actually be on their game. And I, one of the examples that I really love is I had a woman come to me 
saying that she felt like she should be more spiritual and that her mother was pressing her. She's a young woman. She's mother was pressing her to study Reiki, but she was a tax accountant and she actually enjoyed being a tax accountant. Well, I looked in her cards to play and I said, well, you're actually perfectly suited to be a tax accountant. So why don't you just enjoy doing that? I mean, we need tax accountants. And it was such a relief to her to take this judgment off and this pressure to try to be more spiritual, quote unquote, but actually she could play her cards right and be satisfied in her choice as a tax accountant. And what it points to is something else that I'm often sharing is that everything is just as spiritual as anything else. Mm-hmm. We are all I'm all glad you're making that spirit. point. Yes. 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 We are all expressions of pure spirit. So everything and anything we're doing is actually a spiritual expression. It's just a matter of realizing that it is. And your particular game, Mitchell, is to help us really see that, that we are here to embody and express ourselves as spiritual beings and to create our world based on that realization. And so that's the real deep meaning of the seven diamonds for you. Well, thank you, Alexander. That's so interesting. I just want to go back for a moment to the tax account prior to your <laughs> saying that everything is spiritual because my own tax accountant, who I happen to have played soccer with in eighth grade um, uh-huh. and saw me on TV in Marin County back in the late 90s and recognized me and said, my uh-huh. God, that's Mitch Rabin. And uh, we've become friends ever since, I, you know, renewed friends as adults. Yeah. And he's also my tax accountant. He's uh, not only is a Pisces, he is, but he's also one of the most spiritual dudes I've ever met. Mm. <laughs> he, uh, mm-hmm. Goes around the world so interestingly. I hope he doesn't mind my sharing this because it's somewhat <laughs> private work that he does, but it's so beautiful. Mm. And where there have been wars and blood spilled and shed because of disagreements and war and violence, he energetically goes and balances out the energy and cleans up, Mm. if you will, the feng shui of the space so people can live healthy and happy and prosper. (laughs) So that tax accountant that you counseled Mm -hmm. (laughs) can remain a tax accountant until her dying day. And if she would want to, there are avenues within anything, as you're saying. And I also like to tell people that either, as you said, everything is spiritual or nothing is spiritual. You can't have it both ways. You can't have God does God exist? It's God is everywhere and everything, or God doesn't exist at all. You can't have it both ways. So I kind of use this notion, so I very much appreciate your sharing it. Um, mm-hmm. Would you go into this other uh, distinction of a birth card, in my case, mm-hmm. the Seven of Diamonds, and what mm-hmm. is called the uh, personality card? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, your personality card is the jack of hearts. And so you have two primary patterns in your life, as I said, 13 cards total, plus a moon card that supports you. And you have soul connection cards. But in your life path, 13 cards. And your primary one is your birth card. And your secondary one is your personality card. The personality card is our personality and it can be our persona and how we identify ourselves in our life. So what often happens is that we are more identified with our personality card, and that was very true for me growing up. Um, My birth card is the nine of hearts, and my personality card is the seven of clubs. And so clubs is the suit of the mind. And if you had asked me up until just a few years ago, I would have told you that I'm a thinker that I'm primarily a thinker in the way that I orient in life. And that I was, you know, I was a very good student, but underneath that, my heart energy, my nine of hearts is actually my primary energy and way of orienting myself in life is through my heart. So for you, having the jack of hearts as your personality would suggest that you wear your heart on your sleeve and the heart energy and that Mm -hmm. you are passionate and emotional 
and you show this, right? You reveal this. This is your personality. And the jack is the energy of the one who generates. It's a generative energy. So you, as the jack of hearts, would be generating a lot of love in the world, generating a lot of passion. And that can mean you would have a lot of passion projects, a lot of things you want with your heart that you're passionate about bringing into being to generate this energy in life. Um, And yet it's very important for you to um, open both of your eyes, so to speak. With the jack of hearts, the iconography is that it's a one-eyed jack. You may have a tendency to get fixated or obsessed on whatever is your passion that's capturing your heart's attention. And so it would be very important for you to have wise counsel in your life. And, you know, talking to all your guests on your show would be one way to do that, right? To have people who inform you and speak to you on other perspectives so that you can have a more complete and well-rounded point of view. And then in your personal life, too, to make sure to be open to hearing your partner's perspective so that you don't imagine that you know everything there is to know about love but rather you're willing to be an eager student of love in that mm-hmm. heart. Beautiful, beautiful. And so to follow the metaphor of the one-eyed jack, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. get blindsided. Exactly. That's very important. Because if, if not, you can get blindsided by some important detail of the heart that you've missed. Yes. And so the way for you to play the jack of hearts well is to remember to be a student of love. Beautiful. To have a, a student's posture in matters of the heart. God knows I am. Yeah. And that breeds humility, doesn't it? It's usually it from pain, initially, at least, initially. Mm-hmm. But uh, in true, it's true. One has to listen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I so appreciate that. It's so interesting. So as you were saying, thank you for all of that, Alexander. That's just rich material. And it so hits me as accurate and I resonate with all that you're saying and mm. I found mm. that happening as I was reading the book I found oh mm. my god he has found me here you know this is mm. rich. and of course I also found some things that did not resonate with me and mm. I had to conclude either I'm not looking closely enough and getting to mm. the deeper subtler aspects of what was written or I've, in a sense, grown beyond that. I think there are probably examples mm-hmm. of both being true, uh, mm. you know, like an emotional flipping and flopping. I said to you just the other day, doesn't, I'm very steady and stable, and I don't do a lot of flipping and flopping, but I made some offhanded comment to you, and you mm-hmm. identified that as a slight, subtle flip and flop. My name is not John Kerry, but you understand. (laughs) And I thought, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's right. That could be seen as a little bit on a very minor level, that kind of uh, tendency or pattern. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that that up, too, because that is true, uh, that reading about yourself in the book it can be, and for a lot of people, it hits home immediately, as you say, but it can be that, oh, this doesn't really relate or resonate to me. And I do hear that from time to time. And um, it's, I like what you're saying about looking a little deeper and sitting with the material, because I often yes. hear people will come back to the material later and be like, wow, I just wasn't ready to hear that at the time, but that really mm-hmm. is true. Or the other thing, which, as you say, is by talking to me the other day, I was able to point out to you different subtler ways in which it was true. And so that might speak to um, someone, if you're listening and you like the book, but some parts of it aren't quite resonating, maybe let's set up a consultation where I can talk to you about how it does relate for you. Exactly, exactly, sure. 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, there are other aspects, as you referred, of course, there's the birth card mm-hmm. and then the personality card. And in fact, you said there are 13 that relate to somebody, mm-hmm. you could say, different facets of the diamond, no pun intended here, uh, sure. that are reflecting. <laughs> I can't control it. I'm sorry. It's it's in my destiny. <laughs> it's in my cards. That's it. It's in my cards. Well, uh, well that, the, this language is embedded. We do say things like being well-suited for each other or putting our that's cards right. on the table. It, it, it's embedded in our language. So anyway. It really is. Yeah, that's right. Well suited, beautiful. It really is, and we wear a suit, right? Yeah, yeah. It had to come from somewhere besides Brook Brothers, you know. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but so, could you comment just if briefly on those other aspects? Because it goes all the way down to what we could call a twin flame or even a soulmate. Uh, that where mm-hmm. there will be resonances between people of different suits and different mm-hmm. numbers greater than mm-hmm. with others. You know, it's either Absolutely. oil and water or it's sugar and water, you know, what have you. You've got different chemistries, if you will. Absolutely. And that's a great point is that, and thank you for bringing it up, that we have our own cards to play and the rest of the 13 cards overlay with astrology. So we'll have a Mercury card and a Venus card, yes. et cetera, a Jupiter card. And then what happens is the interwoven texture between our own cards and someone else's cards creates a dissonance or a harmony. So like you say, um, one person to another person, there may be a great symmetry in chemistry and they feel a strong attraction for each other. But that person to a different person, there would be a disharmony in the connection. And it's really important because I see this all the time in relationship dynamics that we don't judge these connections and start blaming the other person for why we might feel that that person is challenging to us. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something that's been very helpful for me in relationships to understand who are going to be my teachers, who am I going to learn lessons from, just based on the dynamics of the interactions from their cards to my cards, they may play a role that's challenging in my life and I could get annoyed and upset about it and accuse them of being a, a so-and-so jerk or whatever. Or I could realize mm-hmm. that, that that friction that I feel is to help me shine, to polish me up and to smooth out my rough edges. And so once I see that energy for what it is, I can lean in and welcome the lesson I'm learning from them. It's very helpful. Beautiful. Very much so. Very much so. One thing I'd like to comment on, we know we're winding down here, uh, having played several of our cards already, though I'm enjoying this immensely. It's so colorful and it's so rich. And, you know, with my background in psychology and coaching and counseling and all, it's particularly, how do I say, flavorful because I'm always looking to embody in the physical. And that's really actually true. As you were saying all of that earlier, I just wanted to, I was thinking of something I used to say back in the uh, late 80s, going back to uh, another era of my life, I started something called the Spirit in Action Group. How much more exacting can you get? That's what it was called, yeah. the Spirit in Action Group, okay? Yeah. And years yeah. later, I learned that one of my mentors, Ken Wilbur, also used <laughs> that exact phrase, believe it was, exact phrase for a group that he had formed, Spirit in Action. Is that wild? I did this in the probably Great. the mid-'80s, actually, when I think about it, yeah. Uh, but something else, I, another comment, I when I got involved in Buddhist and... Uh, Buddhist practice, really. Uh, I used to say all the time, get off the cushion and get into the streets. Get off the cushion and get into the boardroom. Get off Mm -hmm. the cushion, come down from the mountain and get into action. And that was just, it's unbelievable how much this hits that note of embodying our spiritual values and in yeah. an astrology reading I had when I was 21 years old, the first one I ever had of many, uh, I was told 
that I should always be doing something like yoga or Tai Chi Chuan or Qi Kung, which I've been doing for ages, mm. because I needed to embody and physicalize for my own mm. personal development, let alone helping others along that very same journey. So it just wholly resonates, Alexander, with all that you're saying. Wow. Wonderful. And I, and I love it when the different sources of information tell us the same thing. That's so powerful. That's right. That's right. Now, I want to bring something else up, if I may, uh, even though I know we're running out of time and you have a session and et cetera. But I, it's another point that I observed in reading, and it, well, this is it. If you think about the, the very structure of human beings, kind of genetically um, and uh, our morphology and our morphogenetic fields, all of the above, how we got formed and shaped to be what we are and who we are, mm-hmm. with the immense variation on that, like a beautiful, beautiful, diverse garden. What about the idea that everyone born on August 30th or May 12th or January 1st are sharing these very same birth cards and personality cards and Mm -hmm. the other cards that populate the 13? How do you understand that? Yes, it's a great question, and it's one that I certainly puzzled over a long time, and it, it sure you know, had a lot of skepticism about of how could that be. It's yes. a little too simple, maybe, and a little yes. too easy. Uh, what I have come to see is that these archetypes can be played out in infinite possible ways, right? For mm-hmm. lack of a better word, we're each a soul. I'm a soul and you're a soul. And mm-hmm. as a soul, we come in and we're incarnated into these energy patterns that are symbolized by the card of the day that we're born. And so then we have our free will to choose how we're going to play out these energetic archetypes. And so the limitless possible ways that we could choose to play them but the themes and the patterns will be the same. Like if you, you know, you colloquially people might say, well, I'm caught in a repeating pattern or I see the same recurring pattern in my life. That's right. Mm-hmm. There are patterns, but how we engage the patterns is based on our own free will. And so yes. anyone born on your day will have the same interest of pivoting and adjusting material values but they might do it wholly from a perspective of making more money. I just want to make more money. You know? yes. Or they could do it as an acupuncturist. Well, let me help adjust someone's physical body back into health. Yes. You know? Or they could do it as a politician. Let's adjust how we do politics. And let's pivot that. Um, you've taken a much broader Very approach. Yes. You know? But the theme yes. will be there of that question of how do we embody what we value? How do we physicalize it in a way that adjusts and pivots things to improve our reality in some way? So interesting. That is really a good answer. You know, as you were talking, I was kind of giggling a little bit to myself, which I have been Mm -hmm. found to do before. And and I was thinking, yes, for some people, when you said – help people make more money, that they interpret it that way. Yeah, some people in that same space, that same day of birth, could say, I'm going to help people choose between a a Mercedes-Benz and a Rolls-Royce, and which brand and type and model is most suited, no pun intended, to them. Correct. Right. And they would actually yeah. be uplifting materiality by so doing. Mm-hmm. It's not the way I've chosen to do it at all, exactly. but I can appreciate that that is a distinction that would be very important to some people. Absolutely. Or what clothes to wear to make you look better. Or what exactly. haircut to have that makes your face really shine. 
All of that would be a seven of diamonds experience of how do I uplift the materiality here. So interesting. And I'm into things like health and enlightenment Mm -hmm. and well-being and awareness and fun and pleasure and Taiji Chuan and Chikung to embody heaven and earth in this beautiful alchemical vehicle. So, but it's all of a sort and of a, of the same cloth. That's beautiful. Alexander Dunlop, what a pleasure to have you on today to really Thank go you. into some depth uh, as much as, you know, this show can allow in this time frame, um, unpacking and unfolding some of these deep meanings of the pack, if you will. Mm-hmm. What, give us, if you would, your contact information if people want to reach out to you. Sure. Thank you. Uh, so, the website is lifeelevated.life, and uh, there's a life. tool on there. Interesting. Life, lifeelevated.life. Okay. There is a Beautiful. free tool on there that you could look up your birth card. So I encourage you to do that, and my contact information is on the website as well. And then please do get the book, Play Your Cards Right, A Sacred Guide to Life on Earth. It's gotten great reviews already on Amazon. I'm really thrilled. It really seems to be helping people and making a wonderful impact. Um, So, yeah, those are the ways you can get in touch. Well, that is wonderful. You're doing the good work that uh, Nine of Hearts should be doing. Is that you, Nine (laughs) of Hearts? It is, yes. Keep it up. Okay, good. Thank you. Thanks again, Alexander, and we'll talk again soon. We'll have you on the TV Thank you so much, Mitchell. It's a pleasure to be on your show, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That was a very rich conversation. And Alexander is doing some beautiful work helping people get in touch with their uh, deeper selves and uh, the cards they've been dealt. It's it's great. I love it. And as I said, I'm really using it for myself and uh, some of my clients as well. I find it to be a very useful And another point we keep making is a simple tool for people to really relate to and get empowered around their own, our own um, particular gifts and talents that we were born to utilize in this life. So I just uh, really appreciate the work. Play Your Cards Right by Alexander Dunlop. Thanks a lot for just joining tonight. I just really appreciate your tuning in to this radio show, this podcast, and I love the fact that we have people listening from all different pockets of the world. It's just great. We have people from the UK and from Denmark and from Africa and different parts of Europe and South America. Wow, it's just fun. I feel like I ought to learn so many more languages so I can speak directly to you in your mother tongue. Maybe that's next. We'll see. Anyway, please remember that A Better World Foundation is a 501c3. In America, that means a nonprofit organization, and we so appreciate your donations, which are really investments in creating a better world for you and I and for us all and to create some greater sustainability for a show such as this. In fact, this show in particular, so we can continue to bring you this level of thought, of creative thinking, awareness, knowledge, understanding, as well as empowerment and upliftment, literal inspiration, so you can go on with your day-to-day life, feeling uplifted and elevated in a way that maybe you didn't before you listened. So thanks again. I also so appreciate your emails to mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr, my initials, at abetterworld.net, and visit us at our websites, www.mitchellrabin.com, and of course, abetterworld.tv, where you can also make donations directly from the website. And I like your your thoughts and recommendations uh, about uh, other guests or other topics that you would like to see uh, spoken of here at A Better World. All of this is meaningful. And if you are interested in 
coaching and counseling or our energy balancing programs, just contact us again at mjr at abetterworld.net or 212-420-0800. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.